right, all right. You'll have to go online and listen to the joke in the first service. There's too many kids in this service, I can't tell it, so. <laughs> but it was funny. I just thought... You know what, um, I'm going to tell you a little something. I was uh, yesterday speaking at a church. It's kind of weird not starting with worship, eh? So like next week, what we're going to do is we're going to actually have some songs playing on the video that we can contemplatively uh, participate in and quietly sing under your mask. <laughs> so there's a reason to wear a mask, is to hide the fact that you might sing a little bit. Just want to put that out there. But just kidding, Premier Kenny. Amen. No, I, I actually say that sincerely. I want you to understand, you need to pray for the Premier right now. Um, I am so grateful. Man, he has a ton of weight on his shoulders. My wife and I were praying uh, on Friday night, and really a spirit of intercession came upon us. And uh, so clearly the Lord spoke to me and said, you must stand and pray for this man right now. He is the only premier that is allowing churches to happen the way that it's happening in all of Canada. And he is under enormous pressure to bend to what everyone else is doing. Shut down the economy. Shut down the churches. Uh, so how many of you know you need to stand and you need to pray for him? Amen? And uh, this week you're going to be uh, hearing from us. We're going to be sending you a letter probably on Monday or Tuesday, Pastor Peter and I will craft that, and probably Monday we'll send it out or late, uh, early Tuesday. I want you to send a letter of encouragement to our premier and to our MLAs. I want you to say we are praying for you, we are standing with you, uh, we are thankful for you. I, I really want you to be positive, 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 and then at the Kind of in the middle, you can sandwich a little bit, you know, like, but church needs to express worship to God because that's part of our, our, the first commandment to the Lord is to worship. But I don't want that to be the primary thing that you're saying. The primary thing that you're going to say is, we're with you. Amen? Because I'm so thankful that we can still gather and uh, be, be together like this. And uh, I don't want to take that for granted. He needs to hear from us right now because the other voices are speaking furiously to him. Is that fair? So we're also, I'm going to send Peter. Where's Peter if he's here? Ah, oh, he just left. He already heard the sermon. Okay, we'll get back to him. We're going to send it out to all the other FCA churches in Alberta as well. We'll send the letter and the links that we're going to create so that they can get their people praying and uh, sharing that as well. Is that fair? So be in prayer. Uh, for that, we want to we wanna just... Uh, remember some things. But how do we live? How do we live? I was uh, actually preaching yesterday at a church in um, Leduc. They had a prayer day, a prayer conference that they've had scheduled for a long time. And uh, it was just powerful to be together with these uh, saints praying all day. We were there from 8 in the morning till uh, I got home just before 5 o'clock. And uh, the word of the Lord was so powerful. They had uh, guest speakers uh, that they had brought in, and it was just an amazing time together of prayer. And so we're going to close today's service with prayer. Amen? 
And uh, our voices can be heard uh, by God. But how are we to live? How are we to live at such a time as this? You know, what, what is God saying to the church in this hour? And I was thinking about this and I thought, what a timely word. You know, every once in a while, um, you get a word as a pastor that is not just for your church. Sometimes you get a word that is for the body of Christ. And I believe this is one of those words. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. The title of my message is Jesus the Sojourner. I'm actually preaching off paper because I left my iPad yesterday after I finished preaching. I got so excited I just left my iPad. So I'm going to pick that up today. Back in all the way over to the airport. (laughs) Maybe I'll just get on a flight and see where it takes me. Just kidding. Jesus is a sojourner. What does that mean? The sojourn means a temporary stay. A temporary stay. And if you're going to live your life today, if you're going to live your life in this world, you need to understand this is actually how Jesus lived. And it's actually how Jesus taught his followers to live. And we're going to kind of take a journey at first through the Old Testament to see that this message of sojourning was actually the message that Christ really wanted his people to understand when they live in this life. Now, the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is speaking, and he says this kind of uh, very interesting thing. He says, uh, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus makes this uh, audacious claim that the kingdom of God has come. Now, for you and I, we're like, yeah, okay, big deal. But what you don't understand, or maybe you do, but... For us, we need to grasp this. If you're a Jewish person listening to Jesus in that day and age, that was an unbelievable statement. It was like, wow. And and you say, why was it unbelievable? Because their whole lives were set waiting for the kingdom of God to come. I mean, Jesus, you know, he goes into, and you can read about it in the the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, I think it is. He goes into the synagogue, so church like this. And uh, he goes in there and he takes the scroll of Isaiah and he unfurls the scroll and he finds Isaiah 61, you know, and you know that, that text, of course, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the good news, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to give sight to the blind, to proclaim the day of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee. And, and everybody's like, yes, yes, yes. You see, you're a Jewish person listening to this. You've been taught your whole life waiting for the kingdom of God, waiting for the kingdom of God to come, waiting for God's rule on the earth, waiting for the time when God would be ruling with his people, that he would bring his nature and his presence and his power to bear upon this world. This is what you're waiting for. And then Jesus freaks you out because he closes the scroll and he says these words. Today, In your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, they they, they tried to throw him off a cliff after that, actually, because he was claiming to be the Christ. He was claiming to be the kingdom come. He was claiming in that time. And so we, we got to grasp this. You know, like this is not just something that the Jews, you know, heard casually. Their entire concept 
of their relationship with God and their uniqueness as a people came for the culmination of the kingdom of God. Came and thought about this moment when God would be and dwell with his people way back, even Abraham. He began to look for, you know, that kingdom. He began to go towards the promised land. And the promised land was that place where God would dwell with his people. And as we go forward, you even see Moses. You know, Moses shows up and, and the, grand, the grand exodus story of the Old Testament is really the story of calling people out of captivity into the promises of God, into the blessings of God, and into the place where God would one day be with his people. This is how they thought their whole understanding of, of, of their life was aiming toward this moment when the kingdom of God would come. The exodus from slavery. Even the festivals the Jews celebrate, for goodness sake, they're all about these, this coming of the kingdom, this time when we get to be with God, this time when we get to celebrate together with God over and over again. Do you know even the Sabbath, even the Sabbath which happens every week for Jews, every single week, it, it, you've heard me share this before, the, the Sabbath itself is a proclamation and declaration of the kingdom of God. The Sabbath really is about three remembrances. Remember what you've come from. You've come from slavery. You've been pulled out of this bondage. And you've been brought into the promises of God. And then remember, so remember where you've come from. But also, you know, remember God. Remember the God who is with you every day. The God who is with you in every moment. And then, you know, the third part of the Sabbath, the third part that they're supposed to understand, remember that one day you are going to see the culmination of the kingdom of God. One day God will be with his people. Are you following me? So the Sabbath itself, which, by the way, the Sabbath is a holy day. It's a holiday. Why is church so important? Because we're gathering together and we're remembering God. We're remembering where we've come from. And we're remembering where we're going. We're called by God to do this. And so the Jews were ready for this moment. We know what a day. What a day. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. Look out. Get ready. Hallelujah. It's awesome. What a day. What an incredible moment. What a disappointment. <laughs> You're like, what a disappointment. What are you talking about? This isn't what they thought was going to happen. <laughs> they thought when the king of kings came and when the kingdom came that, you know, things would change in this world. You know, they thought that God would establish his righteous rule and he would rule with an iron scepter and he would establish he would be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so Jesus comes as this suffering servant and they're like, what the heck is going on? He, listen to me, how, how twisted this was. Even John the Baptist, the forerunner to the kingdom of God, he, he literally says, repent, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he begins to speak, you know, one who is coming right now. He's coming right after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And you think my message is tough? He's coming with a winnowing fork in his hand. And he's bringing the kingdom of God. I mean, it's more dramatic when you got a 
locust hanging out of your mouth, covered in honey. You understand, this is like, this is like John the Baptist. He is so excited because he knows he's the forerunner of the kingdom of God. He's been told by God, the one in whom you see the angel or the spirit of God descend upon and hover upon like a dove. That is the Christ. That is the one. The coming of the kingdom is there. And so he sees this. And this is what he says in John. I love this. In John chapter 1, he says, I'm telling you, there is no question about it. This is the Son of God. What a moment for Jews. Two days later, he's put in prison. not what I thought would happen. I'm the forerunner of the kingdom. The kingdom come. What's the problem? I mean, John even says, he sends some guys to Jesus and they say, um, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Guys, this is the guy, this is John the Baptist. I tell you the truth, there is no doubt about it. This is the Christ the Son of God. A few days later, in his disappointment, he's like, are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? <laughs> See, understand something. They, they missed something about the kingdom of God, and we know this. They missed that the temple was not just about the temple that they, you know, they would build, that God would dwell. The temple was you and I. We're the temples. And that God would come and dwell in us. That, that was the message. That was the understanding that we've got now today as believers. You know, they miss that the kingdom will be seen through eyes of faith. That every once in a while the kingdom would become apparent. Every once in a while in the world and in our lives the kingdom would be unveiled. Are you following me? But then most of the time it would be plunged and veiled. You couldn't see Christ come. And, and, and they didn't get that. They didn't understand that. They missed that the kingdom that Jesus spoke of was an eternal kingdom, not of this world. They missed it. I mean, listen to Jesus. He's standing before Pilate. Pilate, who, listen to me. Pilate who was warned by his wife in a dream to not mess with Jesus. She's like, don't touch this guy. Leave him alone. Like, this is a holy man. So Pilate's trying to let Jesus off. Are you following me? The Jews turn Jesus over to Pilate. He's trying to let him off. He's trying to find a way to let, let him go. Remember he says, uh, you know, I'm supposed to let a prisoner go. Should I let Jesus go? And they say, no, we don't want him. And then Jesus could have, with a word, he could have said something. He could have set himself free. Are you following me? And then this is what he says to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I would not be delivered over by the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus laid down his life when he could have spared his life because he had a kingdom to come and a kingdom to bring and a kingdom to invite others to live in. And so what's the message to you and to me, this, this idea of sojourning, this idea that we're here on a temporary stay, which really was the language of what God is trying to put into his people from day one. How do we live? How do we live in this world? as sojourners and travelers. Here's the first thought. We need to have a terminus. <laughs> it's a big word, terminus. And terminus just means this. A, a point, a final point in space or time 
an end, a terminus, destination, you could say. But I like terminus because terminus sounds like, man, that's all over. It's kind of more permanent. You follow me? It's just like, whoa, I can go to that destination. No, 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 this is terminus. This is where it ends. It's all ending here. And so the believer, the sojourner, the person who's walking with God is to have a terminus. They are to be looking towards something that, that not necessarily is going to happen in this life. And I'm going to show you through the Word of God right now that this idea of a terminus has been from day one. King, King David King David wants to build a temple to God. King David wants to honor God. He's a worshiper. He wants to honor God. So he literally, he can't build it. God says, no, you're too much, too much blood on your hands. Your son will build it. And so what does David do? He makes an offering that is so obscene, it's crazy. In today's d- dollars, David's offering is like $2.3 billion. And they pound gold into this temple. I can't even imagine it. The temple is filled with gold. Literally, can you imagine if these walls, you think we're opulent here and how, how we designed this? Imagine if everything you saw was gold. The walls were gold. Everything was gold. David pounds gold into this. He's lived for this moment, the coming of the kingdom of God, to honor God, the place where God would dwell. But listen to this as he's dedicating the temple of the Lord. And this is not going to be on your screen, but I want you to hear it. First Chronicles 29, 15. For we are strangers before you and sojourners. As all of our fathers were, our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. He builds this opulent temple to God, knowing that he will only be here for a moment to enjoy it. How many of you know he's a sojourner? (laughs) He's a sojourner. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison in Philippi. He's in prison, people. He says, I want to know Christ and fellowship and share together with him in suffering in order somehow to attain from the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes on and says this, not that I've already obtained all this. He's in chains. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. Not that I've already been made perfect, but I press on toward that which Christ Jesus has called me to do. And one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Woo! That's a sojourner. (laughs) That's a guy who's living for something beyond this world. He's saying there's more to this life. Abraham, for goodness sakes, he's commended for his faith. Let me read it to you in Hebrews 11. Abraham left his whole life. He left it. He abandoned it. And he said, I'm going to go on because I see an unseen city that is real and eternal. The foundations, a city designed and built by God. I'm going to read this to you. Listen to what it says. Hebrews 11:13. Each of these people lived by faith and died, not yet having had in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? <laughs> They saw it way off in the distance and waved their greeting and accepted it as a fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are working or looking for their true home. If if they were homesick for the old country, they would have gone back there any time they wanted. But they were after a better country than that, a heavenly country. You see why God is so proud of them and he has a city waiting for them. Sojourners are in this world, but they're living with their eyes on the next. That's how they live. And you need to understand this. 
You see, I'm going to just challenge us all today because, listen to me carefully, far too many believers are believing for far too much from this world. Come on. Far too many believers are believing for far too much from this world. I used this analogy a few years ago, but I, I can't find a better one, so I'm going to use it again. You know, I think that, you know, the world kind of lives for this. And if you think about this, I use Christmas colors. You can appreciate that. Um, the green part of the rope is your life. It's your working, eating, sleeping, going to work life, all that stuff. And the red part of the rope is kind of like your retirement. So, you know, as you're living your life, and this is how the world lives, they live to, for this, and they're preparing for this moment of beautiful retirement, and then suddenly, snip, terminus. Game over. And, and this is kind of the picture of the world, you know, and, uh, but this is not the picture that God wants for us as believers. <laughs> we have a little bit of a different focus. And uh, follow me here now on the camera. So remember this, it's the world, but over here, can you still see me? Okay. This is the kingdom of God. See, we still live our lives on earth. It's okay to have a retirement and a plan, and one day your life will terminate on this earth. But how many know it's not over? <laughs> it's, it, it's not over. As a matter of fact, it, it just kind of keeps going. And I'm, I'm not going to try to run too far, but can you imagine how far this just keeps going and going and going and going and going? It just keeps going. And, and you see, this is, this is the life of the believer. This is what you and I need to understand. And here's what is the craziest part of this whole thing. Are you ready for this? How we live in this part of the rope determines our blessing and reward in this part of the rope. It never ends. You see, God is looking to reward us for how we live here in eternity for eternity. This is not Freedom 55, people. This is freedom forever. How we live here. And you know, like God talks about judging the church. And we're all freaked out by that. But that's not what he means by it. What he's saying is, I'm going to reward you by how you live here. And then he sets up in the Bible. It's like God's crazy. He gives us the Bible with all the final exam questions in it. They're there. He's like, if you just understand. Here it is, teachers. It's, it, all the exam questions are here. And he lays out like 23 different things in the Bible that you can be judged and rewarded on. I mean, there's external tests for godliness, your motives, your attitudes, your integrity, your faithfulness, your humility, how we overcome things in our life. There are external tests, how you handle persecution and rejection, how you overcome trials, how you overcome the world, how you manage your life during COVID. Those are there. They're all there. There are stewardship tests. You're giving, you're serving. How you use power and authority. Ooh, that's a good one. When you're given power and authority, how do you use that? How do you treat power and authority? You are going to be rewarded in eternity, for eternity, based on those things. Wow. The relational test. These are the big ones, man. There are so many here. How you live with God, how you live with others inside the church, how you live with your family, how you live with those outside of the church, how you live with your neighbors, how you live with your enemies. All these things you're going to be rewarded on one day in eternity, for eternity. 
But you only get to live this much to create all that. See, this is how sojourners live. (laughs) Sojourners have a terminus that does not end in this life. They don't live for this. This is the world, you guys. You know, Jesus said something interesting. He's talking about... uh, He's talking about the, the shrewd manager. Remember the story? The shrewd manager gets fought. fought uh, his boss says, man, you're, you're managing terribly. I'm going to fire you. So what does he do? He calls in all the master's creditors, and he basically says, hey, how much do you owe my master? 800 shekels of silver. Make it 400. How much wheat do you owe my master? I owe him 800 bushels. We'll make it 600. And he rips off his master. And, and, and the master, when he comes out, he's like, man, I just lost a ton of money. And he commends the man for being shrewd. He says, well, you're sneaky. Way to go. Why? Because he was only setting up for his own retirement. Are you following me? That was his motivation. I only have a little bit more time, and i got to build for this little part right here. And Jesus says this incredible, I hate this statement, but it's so true. He says, the people of this world are shrewder than the people of the sons and the daughters of light. They're more wise than you are. Why? This is all they have. (laughs) But you have a kingdom that goes on forever and forever and forever. You know, long past this church and what this church will accomplish, the reward goes before us in heaven. Do you know if the government came in today and shut us down and said no more churches in Canada? It wouldn't matter because the kingdom of God still goes on. The church of Jesus Christ still lives. Are are you following what I'm trying to say? You know, you have to understand, you have to live your life. Listen to me, churches. I love this. The world invests for this life, right? But believers live their lives as an investment for the next. Your whole life is an investment, church. It's an investment into the next life. Hallelujah. Well, we have a terminus, church, but we also live in tents. Tents. Non-permanent residence. (laughs) Hebrews 11 says this. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God when he called him to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going, but by an act of faith, he lived in a country promised him But he lived as a stranger camping in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob as well, living under the same promise. Sojourners live in tents. Now, does that mean we should all sell our houses and go and get some tents? No, it doesn't. All it means is hold everything in this world lightly. You're constantly moving toward a kingdom that is still coming. It is a kingdom that has come, it is a kingdom that is coming, and it's a kingdom that will come in fullness one day. And so you live as a sojourner, you live in tents, you hold all things lightly. You know, my wife and I, we, we're living in our beautiful house, and, and now our kids are gone, and we got this huge house, and we're like, what do we do? I don't know what we do. So Betty's like, we need to re-renovate. I'm like, it's all going to burn one day, Betty. Let's just let it go. Like, who cares? 
no, 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 while we're here, we, we're still gonna, we're still gonna keep care of things, and we're, we're gonna paint, and you're gonna paint, is what I mean by we're gonna paint, you're gonna paint, and, uh, and, and we need to keep the, but see, the thing is, I just painted it like seven years ago. I don't understand why it's bad. Ten years ago? It was a little while ago. Anyway, it should be good now for a long time. No, it's, it's, you see, Jesus warned us, and he says, in this life, you know what, guys, moth and rust will destroy. <laughs> don't build your, build your life here. Don't build your life because thief can come and destroy. Taxes can come and destroy. Don't build your life in this world. Build your life with the eyes on the next. You see, you live in tents. And for goodness sakes, you know, church, we know this. Uh, permanence, you know, cannot be found in this world. Anybody figured that out? <laughs> How many know perfection cannot be found in this world? New car smell is the best smell in the world. I, babies, Betty said, is the best smell in the world. But I say new car smell is the best smell in the world. But when you get that first dent in your new car, or the coffee spills, or your wife lets the kids eat their McDonald's in the new car, and then you see your son with his hands on the back of your seat going like this because they're greasy. You're like, ah! There's nothing permanent in this world, church. But the kingdom of God is. We're living in a time, guys, we know this. Anything that can be shaken is being shaken right now, but the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. And you as the sojourners, you as those who live in tents, you understand this and you're like, it's okay. We know there's a better kingdom. There's a better place. There's a better thing to be living for. For goodness sakes, I, I have to kind of tell you this, and this is kind of disturbing. Even your bodies are tents. <laughs> They're tents. I mean, listen to this text. Our bodies are like tents. Well, we live here on earth. But when these tents are destroyed, we know that God will give us each a place to live. These homes are not built, buildings that is built by someone has made. They are in heaven and will last forever. That's pretty good. Here's crazy. You're going through, you're dying. Your body's dying. From the day you're born, you're dying. I mean, it's crazy. But here we go. Anyway, listen to what it says about us. He says this, you should be cheerful. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. You should be so excited. What? Because we'd rather leave these bodies and be at home with the Lord. Wow. But whether we are at home with the Lord or away from him, still in these tents, we still try to do our best to please him. Wow. What a beautiful thing, eh? God is saying, you guys, you live in tents, you're sojourners. You've got a terminus not in this life. You've got a terminus at the, uh, at the next life, the ongoing life, the eternal life. But you live in tents, hold all things lightly in this world. You know, one of my challenges, and I, I, forgive me, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes here. And I'm not even creating any kind of theology by saying what I'm about to say. My struggle with COVID in believers' lives is we are giving it way too much power. If you die, you go to heaven. <laughs> okay, I'll just stop there right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you know the Jews? They even have a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> where once a year, they take a week off. A week and they leave their house, and they go and they live in booths or tents. They live in tents. 
Why? It's to symbolize the time that they lived in traveling from slavery toward the promised land. And they're just sojourners. And God is reminding them, leave your luxury, leave everything. And remind yourself, you are on a journey. You're heading to your true home. Hallelujah. And so they go there. And you know, it's great. They, they, every night they're to cook a meal and invite other fellow sojourners into the tent with them. And eat together and share the stories of life and share hospitality. Doesn't that sound like the need of the church right now? That, hey, there's so many other sojourners with a story, you guys. You in this room, all of you have a story. All of you are sojourning. All of you are on this journey. Let's have hospitality. Let's share life together. This is the heart of God. This is what he was telling his people. Reminding them, get out of your expensive houses and live in a tent once a, once a year just to remind yourself. Hallelujah. You have a terminus. You have a tent. And here's the best part of being a sojourner. You have a traveling companion. <laughs> you have a traveling companion. You are not alone. Yes, we have other sojourners, and that's great. But most importantly, the king of the kingdom walks with us. <laughs> he lives with us. Who is our traveling companion? Remember always, church, your present reality is God's address. You may not see him all the time because, remember, he's veiled. But he's there. <laughs> he's there every step of your day, every part of your day. Now, who is he? Well, Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, Our Father, who art in heaven. Well, there's a lot in that statement. Our refers to the fact that you are in a family. Father refers to the fact that you have this intimate relationship with the living God. And by the way, how many of you know you can grow in that relationship? The word father is the word patter, and, and it's, it's kind of like more of a, dig, you know, kind of father. You know, but there's another word called Abba that's used only three or four times in the New Testament. And it's used by the Apostle Paul and Jesus himself because he says there's a greater place. You can grow in intimacy with your traveling companion, guys. You can grow with him. You can walk with him in your life. And as you do, you're going to grow in that intimacy with him that one day you can even call him Abba. And Jesus calls him Abba the heaviest most brutal time of his life. Gethsemane. <laughs> Abba, Father, take this cup from me, but yet not my will be done, God. Your will be done. Why? Because I know I'm a sojourner. I know I'm heading toward a destination. I know that you're with me, God, and you want me to grow. But, you know, I shared this during the time of when we were teaching on the Lord's Prayer, but to me it's so profound for this moment. When you say the word Father... You're also doing something else. You're entering into the story of the Father and the Son. Remember, there's a principle of the first in the Bible. Um, the principle of the first is when you see something in the scriptures for the first time that is repeated multiple times from that point, there's something for you to learn and remember that every time you see that word or that image, is to be understood in that context. Does that make sense? Here's the first time God is called a father. Exodus 4. Moses says to Pharaoh, 
This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. What's the principle? Slaves became sons and daughters. How many know that's you and me? But it goes even deeper than that and further than that. You see, when we pray our Father, we are taking the place of the Son. We are invited into the mission of the Father and the Son. Do you know that when you say our Father, you're saying, I am a co-revolutionary with God. I am a co-deliverer. Well, I am sojourning on this life. I'm walking with my Father, and I take the place of the Son of God, and I become one who brings deliverance to this world. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. Your co-workers are freaking out right now. <laughs> If they don't know Christ, they don't know the hope that they have, what hope do they have in this world? You need to be the messengers of hope, church. What an hour to be alive. What an hour to be the church. You are the sons and the daughters of God with a message of hope and deliverance, freedom for the captives. <sighs> Boy, it's good news to realize there's more to this life than this. Don't you think your neighbors need to hear that? I need to hear that. Where do we meet our traveling companion? <laughs> you see, I told you earlier that you only see him occasionally. He's always with you, but he only becomes apparent, visible on occasion. And it's interesting to me because the Jews in the Old Testament... When God became apparent to them, when he revealed himself, in other words, when he unveiled himself, do you understand? He was always there, but when he unveiled himself, they would do something. They would build an altar. And this is what the Word of God says in Jeremiah, uh, sorry, Genesis 12, 7. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give them the land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This principle of the altar where, where you encounter God, and I encountered God and so I build an altar. And we have those moments, don't we guys? We have those moments in our worship, we have those moments in our prayer time, we have those moments of, of reading the Bible where God reveals himself and it's like, wow, 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 wow. And then it's like all of a sudden you're plunged back in, you're like, where, where did God go? He's still there. <laughs> He's still there. We just don't see him. And this is what I need you to understand, guys. You need to understand that God is with you in your victories and your failures, in your celebrations and your sufferings, in your darkness and your light, in your highs and your lows. It doesn't matter. God is with you. He's right there. And so, so when we see him, we have these moments of encounter. I love this last thought about where altars are built. This is the very next verse in Genesis, Genesis 12, 8, and I have it on your screen. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to and called upon the name of the Lord. Where did Abram build his, temple, his tent, pitch his tent and build an altar? Between Bethel and Ai. <laughs> now Bethel means the house of God. 
Bethel is the provision of God. Bethel is the blessing. Bethel is like, wow, the kingdom come. Bethel is the kingdom unveiled. Bethel is what we're all going to get one day. One day, one day, one day when Christ comes. Very soon, by the way. One day when Christ comes, we're going to all be in the house of God. And the Father's house will be realized. And it's not just this little building here and now. It's one day forever and forever and forever. We're going to be with our Father. And we're all like, I want Bethel. You see, that's our focus. That's our terminus. That's what we're looking toward. Amen? But how many know there's a cross to bear on the way? Because that's not where Abraham built, pitched his tent. He pitched it between Bethel and Ai. And Ai means heap of ruin. Broken pieces. Place of brokenness and heartache. Church, that's where you live. You live between these two tensions of the kingdom of God come and manifesting the Bethel house presence of God and a place of brokenness. That's our lives. And if we don't understand that, we're going to be frustrated in this life. This is where God meets you. This is where he meets me. No matter what comes, you guys, no matter what comes, we see a kingdom. We're moving toward that kingdom. God is faithful. He's going to finish his promises. Amen? He's going to fulfill all these things. So live as a sojourner, guys. Live as a sojourner. Start looking to Christ. The Bible says fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't look to this world. Look to Christ. Look to the future. Look to the sojourn. Think about that. Think about that. Terminate your life with that thought. Constantly move toward it. And live in tents. Hold all things lightly. There's only so much Botox you can put into your body. <laughs> right? Understand, guys, life is, you know, like a, like a Monopoly game. You may live it like a Monopoly game. That's how the world lives. You know, the one with the most stuff at the end wins. But here's the thing. Uh, it all terminates. And like a Monopoly game, it all goes back into the box. <laughs> and so do you, actually. I, <laughs> just a little side note for you. I didn't know if you do that. But that's not the end. It's not the end, you guys. Hallelujah. I think the final thought I want to give you, and we're going to listen to a song, and then we're going to close in prayer time. Let's stop living for the world and live for the sake of the world now. Do you understand that difference? If, if your life terminates in this world, then you live for the world. But if your life terminates in the next, then you live for the sake of the world. And it's okay to sacrifice then. And it's okay to let things down. And it's okay to not have to hold on to everything so tightly in this life. It's okay to trust God. Amen? Let's listen to that song. And I just invite you to take a moment of contemplative worship. Amen? Let's listen. Thank you. 
feet right now. Let's all stand up. We're going to pray in just a moment together. I'm going to lead us in just a time of prayer. And then I'm going to invite uh, Luke Inbert to come and pray at the closing of our service. But I want you to pray for several things right now. Pastor Tyler is just going to lead us in some gentle uh, music behind us, and that's great. But I, I, I'm going to just put some things forward, and you just in your spots right now, you begin to pray. Is that fair? And pray out loud. You can pray out loud. Amen? You can pray. Put your hand on your baby or your child. That's fine. Just pray. Let's pray. Let's just pray for the body of Christ right now. Let's lift up the church of Jesus Christ right now. Amen? Hallelujah, Father God. Let's just begin to pray wherever you are. Begin to think about the churches. Not just this church, but the body of Christ, the church right now. Begin to pray. Pray for pastors. Pray for people. Pray for believers to have faith, to trust God right now. Just begin to lift that up. Amen? Come on now. Heave it out of you. Hallelujah. I can pray, but I want you to pray. Together, we're going to agree together and pray that out loud. Come on now. Let's pray for the body of Christ. Let's pray for the church of Jesus Christ right now to be strong in this hour, to understand that they are sojourners in this hour, to understand that they, are, they need to hold all things lightly, that they're here to serve the kingdom of God to the kingdoms of this world. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray for families right now. Pray for families right now. Pray for families. There's such strain and stress on families right now. Let's pray the blessing of the Father upon marriages and upon children. Let's pray for grace to abound. Hallelujah. Let's pray for the families right now, church. Hallelujah. Just lift up people you know in your heart and mind. Begin to pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for, thank you for the people, Lord God. Thank you for families, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love the family. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you built the family, God, to stabilize the nations, Father God. Thank you, God, for moms and for dads. Thank you for parents, God. Bless them, strengthen their marriages, God. May they be better now than they've ever been through this time, Father God, that you will bless them with peace, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we lift up schools to you and education to you right now, Lord Jesus. Call your spirit upon those places, God. Higher education, Lord. I pray that they turn to the high God, the highest of high kings, the highest power in all of, all of the universe, and begin to call upon you, God. I pray, Jesus, that there is hope in school systems right now. I pray that there is peace in school systems right now. God, help our teachers, God. Help our teachers, God. Help them, Lord, God. Surround them, God. Bless them, God. Keep us safe, God. Keep us free, God. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray against COVID right now. I pray against sickness right now now. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, we cast that curse down, Father God. There is no COVID in heaven, Lord God. And so, Lord, we bless you and we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We begin to cry out to you, God, for freedom from the oppressor. Lord God, we live within the kingdom of God right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Father God, we lift up Premier Kenny. God, I want you to pray right now another strong prayer for Premier Kenny. Just begin to pray for him. Pray for him in his cabinet. Pray for him to have wise counselors. Pray for him to have courage right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for him right now. Thank God for him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for Premier Kenny, God, who is standing alone, God. We thank you for him, God. We bless him, Father God. We bless him, Father God. We bless him, Father God. Oh, Jesus, we say thank you now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I want you to take a few minutes just to be thankful. Just be thankful. 
Be thankful that we have a beautiful, warm church that we can meet in. Be thankful that we have beautiful seats to sit on. Thank you for the food in our fridge. And if you don't have some, I'll give you some. I got some extra. You can have food in your fridge. Amen. Thank God for those things in your life right now. Let's just be thankful for running toilets, for goodness sake. Be thankful for government that is not corrupt. Be thankful right now thankful for police forces that protect us. Thank you for first responders. Thank you for nurses and for doctors, God. Thank you for those that are serving in the front lines, Father God. Oh, Jesus, you are worthy of praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Luke, why don't you come? Grab the microphone there on the end. Lead us in a strong prayer. We're going to agree together with Luke. Bless him as he serves Dane Lloyd and our constituents and our, as a member of parliament. Bless Luke for his service to our church family. He's one of our deacons. Come on, Luke. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, God, for your goodness. Father, we thank you that you are a God of victory. Yeah. God, there is nothing weak about you. Mm-hmm. God, you are mighty. You are almighty. God, and so we ascend into that place of might and power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. To whom you have given all authority, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. God, we come into that place of authority, that place of power, that place of might, that place of victory as your church, Lord. And we just say yes, God. We say yes to your kingdom. We say yes to your will in our lives, God. We say yes to your will and kingdom in our homes, God. In this province, we say, God, have victory. Have victory, Lord God, in our government. Have victory, God, in over COVID-19, we say you are a God of victory. You have overcome. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we just say yes to you. We say yes to your kingdom. We say yes to your power. We say yes to your glory. God, we thank you that you fill the church of Christ with a spirit of faith, Lord. Father, that we are an overcoming body of Christ. Father, we're not living for today. But God, we thank you that right now as we pray, God, you move in this world yeah. for the sake of this world, God. Come on. Father, we thank you that our, we, we raise our voice in this place. And God, you here in heaven. You here in heaven. Yeah. God, and you send forth now your ministering angels. You send forth the Come Spirit on. of Christ into this place, Lord God. In Tomorrowville, God, you send forth your angels to minister, Lord God. Health, God, to put just a a place of protection over our homes, over our community, over the government, Lord God. We pray that the mind of Christ would have access to the minds of our premiers, God, of our prime minister, of our MLAs, of our MPs, of our mayors, of our counselors, Lord. We pray that they would hear your voice, Lord God. We pray that the voice of God would prevail over all other voices, Lord. We thank you that it does. Lord Jesus. And we ask, Father, that you would just speak. We ask for, Father, just the supernatural. 
We pray for that supernatural, uh, God, just grace to flow. Come on. Father, we ask that righteousness would come down. Lord, we ask that justice would rise up. And we just pray, God, that you would have your way. Come on. Here in Sturgeon County, in Morinville, in St. Albert, God, across this province, across this country, you will have victory from sea to sea, Lord God. You will be exalted in Canada. You will be exalted in this nation. And Lord God, you will be exalted in your church, Come on. in a people who say, God, we are living for you. Yeah. We are living for you. And so, Father, I pray your blessing on the Father's house as a church family. God, that our love for you would deepen. God, that our passion for you would grow. Lord, that more and more our hearts and minds would be set on you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your spirit ministering to each one of us. Yeah. And God, I thank you for the rhema word of God. Father, to each member of this church, God, that you spoke to them today. And I pray, Father, that they would hear your voice, Lord, and just say yes. Yeah. Lord, I am living as a sojourner. Yeah. I am living for you. Yeah, and so, Father, bless our church family. Bless us as we go this week to live between Ai and Bethel. Yeah. Lord, we're living for you. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. 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 Thanks, Luke. One last prayer. Everybody's here. If you don't have a traveling companion named Jesus in your life, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. He longs to do life together with you. But it's your choice. You know, the funniest part about God is He's the least controlling being in the universe. He gives you freedom to reject Him or freedom to accept Him. My advice to you as a fellow sojourner, accept Christ today. Say, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin, trying to live without you and help me to live with you and for you. And if that's you, raise, raise your hand and give me a wave. Say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Need you, Lord. We all need you, Lord. Let's just pray a prayer of abandonment to him with thanksgiving. Amen. Pray it out loud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I need you so much. So desperate for you, God. But yet you meet me right where I am. I surrender to you, Lord. Come and live in me. Forgive me of my sins and help me to live with you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, let's just give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap today, amen. Amen. Next week, we're going to be back here. We're going to start with a few songs on the screen for us to have contemplative worship and uh, hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to preach on Jesus, the Prince of Peace, next week. Amen. God bless you, church family. We love you. We are here for you. Go in grace, have a coffee, buy a shoebox, 
And hey, be kind to people this week. Amen? That's your homework. Buy coffees and Tim Hortons for the guy behind you. Shock everyone. Be generous. Be loving. Be a servant. Go in the grace of God. Amen.